0: chapter number 4 Colossians chapter number 4 so glad to see each one here tonight i was just thinking with as many people gone tonight i, I was sitting there thinking back many years ago of course when i was uh, when i was a young preacher and uh, um, finally it got so that i i told uh, our ushers we, back then we had a like most churches we had, I called it a scoreboard. It was the attendance board that hung out there that told what the Sunday school attendance was and the, and the offering because, you know, I would look at that and that was, uh, that set the stage for my mood for the day. If it was down, you know, I was down because naturally you want to see a, a big attendance and what have you. And, uh, I one day woke up to the fact that, you know, we don't have to let that dictate the mood that we're going to be in. And, uh, we can, uh, uh, we can enjoy the blessings of the Lord where there are two or three gathered in His name. He said, I'll be there in the midst of them. Well, Colossians chapter four, and I'll read our text in just a moment. Let me remind you for the last, uh, about two months now, we've been studying on the subject of prayer. Uh, the very first message had to do with a prayer request from Jesus. And uh, that was the first message. Then we talked about victory through prayer. Uh, the third message was, could, could prayer save America? Then we talked about a house of prayer. We talked about uh, the early church, prayer in the early church. And we went through the book of Acts, rapid fire. Then we talked about the importance of prayer last week. Tonight, I want us to think about the the subject devoted to prayer. You'll see what I mean, I think, in just short order. Verse number two, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. As I said, I talked last week about the importance of prayer, but... Tonight, I, I want us to make this really personal. Uh, I, I want to challenge each and every one of us, and when I say us, I'm talking about me as well as you, to devote ourselves to prayer. And that's what Paul is speaking about here when he says, "Continue in prayer." What we are, and by the way, that word that word continue here means to be strong towards, to endure, to persevere. To be continually steadfast, it speaks about what we are devoted to, and uh, what we are devoted to reveals what we what we value. If we value something we're devoted to it and I you know I, I know people I, I know preachers that that by their manner of life they're devoted to to different things. I've known very, very few people over the years that that I felt. Now, I'm not the perfect judge, but I've known very few people that just from knowing them, I just truly felt in my heart, now there's a man or a woman that is truly devoted to prayer. Uh, I've known some people like that, but it's been very few. I've known preachers that, uh, that, <laughs> that to be honest, they were devoted to a business they had on the side. I can't tell you the number of times I've had preachers try to get me to, and I was pastoring a church, try to get me to sell insurance. I said, man, what are you talking about? I don't have time to sell insurance. I pastor a church. Oh, yeah, but it wouldn't take much time and you could make a lot of money. I had another preacher friend, very close friend, and uh, he he was in the business of buying houses on the side, and he'd rent them out, you know, and then eventually sell them for a big gain and what have you he said. Now, Brother Stone, that's what you need to do. You you need to start buying up some of these houses, you know, and you can rent those out and you can make a lot of money. When you retire, I mean, you will be set. I, I said, I, I don't have time to do that. I've known some other preachers, you know, and, and I hate to, you know, I hate to keep putting down preachers, but I'm just telling you the facts. I've known some preachers, a few, that were totally devoted to some particular hobby they had. I mean, it, it, it was the thing that consumed all of their time. You go on a trip with them or something, that's all they wanted to talk about. Every spare minute they had, that's all they wanted to do, that's all they thought about. I mean, oh well, they, sure, they, they preached on Sunday and, uh, and drew a paycheck and what have you, but, but the main thrust of their life was toward a particular hobby. And preachers aren't the only ones that's guilty. A lot of times we Christians, you know, we find ourselves devoting our time and our energy to things that, that that you know, are far less value than prayers. So let's notice, first of all, the what. What Paul says in this verse. He says... Notice that first word. You might want to underline it. Continue. Be strong towards enduring this. That actually comes from a Greek word that is a compound word. And the first part of it, P-R-O-S, that first part of that compound word means, speaks about activity. In a direction. In other words, it it tells us this is to be something that we're doing continuously, not something that we do occasionally. This ought to be the direction of our life. And that is that we ought to be, maybe say, earnest towards something, constantly devoted to something, diligently uh, at, at all times. And so Paul is calling these people to devote themselves uh, to prayer. Now, let me ask you, what better thing could we be devoted to? I know there are a lot of people that get the idea that, that pastors don't really do anything. You know, because of the fact, well, all they do is they preach and they study and they pray and, you know, they they make some business at the hospital and if there's a funeral or a wedding, they take care of that. But boy, they've got all of this free time. What do we pay them for? You know, what a, and, and a lot of folks do not understand the importance of of study and prayer. I think back to the early church there in Acts chapter number six and. You know, where they ordained those men to take care of the widows in the church. And and the reason behind that was so the apostles could give themselves, devote themselves to what? To prayer in the ministry of the Word. That, I mean, that that's what they were doing. And uh, what more important thing could you do than to devote yourself to prayer? That's the what, but I want you to notice the why. Look at verse 3 and 4. He says, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may uh, make it manifest, to reveal it, as I ought to speak. Paul realized that he was dependent upon the prayers of God's people. Look in verse number 12 as he mentions, uh, one of his fellow helpers, as he mentions someone else here. Epaphras, he says in verse 12, who is one of you. In other words, he's from there. That's his hometown. He's a part of that church and he happened to be with Paul. He said he was a servant of Christ. Uh, he says he salutes you always, notice, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Boy, there's a sermon right there he's laboring uh, prayers not as easy as some people try to make it sound he's laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all of the will of god listen if if if, if all a person did was pray continually for the church he is he's doing something that has to be done and and the why The why behind the what is this, because everything depends on it. Now, prayer is not the only thing we do. But as I said before, without prayer, nothing else is ever enough. We can sing, we can preach, we can give, you know, we can do all of those other things. We can break the record attendance and do everything else. But without prayer, it will not be enough, because God... Has ordained prayer as the means whereby His purpose is accomplished through His people. That that's that's the means to get it done, and we can't circumvent that. You know, we can't say, "Well, I got a better idea." You know, I know how to. Back, I remember several years ago, whenever this church growth movement really got to booming big and really become popular, and Uh, All across the nation, they were holding church growth conferences, and everybody, you know, had a better idea. And everybody tried to, you know, imitate Jack Howes or Jerry Falwell or whoever it was, you know. And they had some, you know, big Sunday school program, and here you got somebody out here in the town of 500, you know, and they're trying to do exactly, you know, what that... Church was doing there and and, and and didn't work and people ended up getting discouraged and, and, and look, I, I'm, I'm all for having a plan and programs are good and so on and so forth. But I don't care what you do. You can work your fingers till, till they're nothing but nubs on your hand and, uh, until you turn blue and fall over with exhaustion. If you don't pray, it's not going to be enough. We've got to pray, that's why it is so important. We are in the battle of our life, and everything we hold dear, we either pray or we lose. We pray or we lose. So when somebody makes a statement like, let's pray for our nation, we ought to take that serious, folks. Our nation depends on the prayers of God's people. You remember Jesus spoke about us being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, in other words, the world around us is dependent upon its contact with us and the influence that we have uh, among the people and so it's important that you and I pray so the what the what is that we continue that is that we be devoted to prayer, and the the why behind it is because Everything depends on it. Now, let's talk about when and where. Notice what he says here, these words, "watch in the same. Watch in the same. And, and that tells me that, that it implies that we're to take steps to continue in prayer. You, you know, some people have prayed, but then they stop. And they stopped because they did not take any steps to continue on. You know, isn't it is strange that we have a schedule for eating? Most of us do anyway, you know. We want to eat at a certain time. My, my dad was that way all of the years I was growing up. My dad got up early. My mother would not have dreamed about staying in bed and letting him get up without breakfast. She got up, She same meal every day. As long as I could remember, he had bacon and eggs and toast. And oh, by the way, those eggs had to be cooked absolutely perfect, sunny side up. They couldn't be a little runny or anything. Had to be absolutely perfect. And uh, bacon and eggs and toast and a bowl of Rice Krispies. That was his breakfast all the time. And he ate at a certain time, about 5 o'clock in the morning, every single morning uh, all of his life. That's the way it was. Well... You know, now you might not be that way. The younger generation, you know, they've they've got some odd eating habits, but most of us, you know, we have somewhat of a schedule. Uh, when we eat, right? I mean, at least, you know, I'm going to eat sometime in the morning, about noon again, and sometime uh, in, in the late afternoon or early evening, I'm ready to eat again. We have a schedule for that. We've got a schedule for our sleeping, a schedule for our work, a schedule for our recreation and everything. But some way or another, we don't take any steps, you know, that is to have a schedule when it comes to prayer, and we don't designate a time. We don't designate a place. And, and, and if we pray at all, we just pray on the run. You know, I, I mean... Just, now, look, the Bible does teach that we're to be always in an attitude of prayer. That's true. You can pray going 70 mile an hour down the highway. In fact, you probably ought to be praying if you're going 70 mile an hour down the highway. So, you can pray whatever it is that you're doing... Well, let me tell you, every person needs a quiet time. I'm talking about a time and a place that is free from distractions. I don't know where it is. It might be a place out in your garage somewhere. I, I mean, I have no idea where you might, where you might get, but find you a place where no one will disturb you, just a quiet place where you can spend quality time with the Lord. I, you know, I'm certain all of us when we go to bed at night, you know, we lay down and the last thing we do, uh, we, we go to sleep with a prayer on our lips or in our heart. We're praying as we go to sleep, and that's fine, that's well and good. But we ought to pray besides, you know, as we're going to sleep. Well, you know, in the morning when our mind is alert and sharp and so forth, and we're rested and we can better focus on the things of the Lord, we need to take steps uh, to pray. Turn over, because the Bible gives us the answer for this, Matthew chapter 6. While you're turning there, let me read a short quote, something John Piper said and I wouldn't agree with John Piper on a lot of different things but uh, what he said about this I think is right on target. He said if you want to walk in prayer all day long you will need to linger in prayer in times of quiet communion with God. Why? Because you can't get deep with God on the run, fitting Him into the cracks of your day. But you can enjoy continual fellowship with God on the run if you have gone deep with God in the stillness of the season of prayer. Well, I think that's very, very well said. That's the way it ought to be. Well, here in Matthew, notice what Jesus teaches here about prayer. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Later on, probably, we'll have an entire lesson on what some call the Lord's Prayer. Actually, this isn't the Lord's Prayer. That's in John chapter 17. But this is the pattern prayer that that the Lord gave us. But look at verse 6. He said, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray... "...to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly." I guess you could say the secret to prayer is praying in secret. And uh, that's, that's what the Lord is saying. You know, it's not something... Certainly we can all pray in public, not anything wrong with that. But we need that quiet time when the door is shut, the world is shut out... And if we don't do that, we will never grow in our relationship with the Lord. We'll never receive the things He has for us if we don't reserve time for prayer. Now, I understand there are no hard, fast rules in the Bible as to when we ought to pray. But there are several examples. For example, over in Daniel, let's see, chapter 6. And this is interesting to me because, as all of you know, here is Daniel under threat, as it were, that, you know, I mean, he could lose his life. And and it says in verse number 10, And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that is, the law is enacted, you know, that, uh, uh, that he better conform to the law of the land and not call upon his God, and he knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened... In his chamber toward Jerusalem, he didn't have to open the windows, they were already open. He'd already been there, done that. He kneeled upon his knees, noticed three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four time. In other words, he just kept doing what he had been doing and And in this case, we know he had three different seasons of prayer every day that he'd go to that open window facing Jerusalem and would pray. It's strange to me that the Muslims, regardless of how busy they are, they can find time to pray five times a day. And and it seems like we Christians can't find time to pray once a day. Now, I realize that they believe it is essential to heaven or whatever it is they believe. You know, I, I guess if I thought that the only way to get to heaven was to pray five times a day, I might pray five times a day. You see what I'm saying? We don't pray in order to get to heaven. We ought to pray because we're going to heaven. And we need to realize that although, listen, although our salvation isn't dependent on prayer, everything else is. Everything else is. The welfare of your children, the safety of your home, uh, God's blessings upon this church, the security of your nation. Everything is dependent upon prayer. Now, while we're here, let's talk about the how. We're talking about being devoted to prayer. We've seen, you know, what what it's all about and so forth, but... I want us to think about the how, because a lot of things could be said about prayer, but there are four things that stand out here concerning prayer. And the good thing about it is this is the instruction that the Lord gives us. This isn't something, you know, that I made up. It isn't something I read in a book. It's exactly what Christ tells us in regards to prayer. Look at verse number 5, Matthew 6. In verse number five, and, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the, on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou prayest, notice which we just read, enter into thy closet. So, as we talk about the how of prayer, for one thing, we ought to pray secretly. We, some way or another, we've got to get beyond talking about prayer and start praying. You know, it's real easy to, to, to talk about it or to preach about it. It's another thing to actually do it. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of times I'm afraid, you know, that we, you know, maybe tell our children, when they're very small, we try to teach them the value of prayer. And that's well and good. But it's one thing to tell them about the value of prayer. It's another thing to value prayer so much that we actually pray. And we need to, we need to have that secret time. But then, not only should we pray secretly, but sincerely. Look at verse number 7 and verse 8. And when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that uh, they shall be heard for their much speaking uh, be not be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him several years ago i, I read a little poem, and I, I could probably find it if I had an extra eye or two. I'm sure I've got it somewhere in all of my uh, stuff in the office, and I, I can't remember the whole prayer, but it started with these words. It said, We often say our prayers, but do we really pray? You know, there's a difference between saying a prayer and praying. I've I've known preachers that... That spend a lot of time writing out their prayers. You know, I'm not saying that you can't do that. I guess you can, but but I, I sure don't feel comfortable doing that. I just, uh, uh, you know, I I, I just don't. Uh, i I want it to be something that whatever you know is going on at that moment in my life, whatever it is, i, I want it to be something coming straight from from my heart to my lips and hopefully to heaven i you know and, and so sometimes we say a prayer, and we all know you know what we're supposed to say and uh right We learned that at an early age as a Christian. I mean, one of my greatest fears as a young Christian uh, was that fear that someday the pastor's going to ask me to pray in public, and I scared death. I didn't know what in the world am I going to say. But you know, you you listen, and after a while, you listen to everybody else pray, and uh, oh, this must be the way you start. Our 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 Father in heaven, you know, we thank you, and that that gets you started. And and then some super saint comes along, and you know. And you hear Him pray, you know, our glorious Father, great God of all creation, and on and on and on and on and on, you know, He goes. And then you think, boy, I'll never match that. And uh, am I making any sense? I'm telling you, it's easy just to repeat like a parrot the words that we've heard other people say uh, without ever really praying to God. I mentioned a while ago, I've known very few people over the years that I felt were truly devoted to prayer, and as one particular preacher uh in Kentucky that I can see his face right now, and if ever there was a man devoted to prayer, it was him and I can remember so well it, it was serious but it was it was so funny the the approach that he took, and I was preaching a revival meeting for him, and so uh, each, each day we'd go down to the church, you know, you'd get up in the morning, somebody have you over to the house, uh, for breakfast, and you, you know, eat some country ham and eggs and everything, and then, I mean, by the end of the week, your blood pressure is spiked, and your face is red, and, because you're eating three times a day, not at a restaurant, but in people's homes, and, but he'd always take time to go by there, and the church said, let, let's stop and pray for the services tonight. And I'll never, I'll never forget that first day. This guy's about six six. He pastored up in Detroit, Michigan, for several years. And so, uh anyway, we went in there, and he just, he crossed his legs and just plopped down Indian style, you know, on the floor, and he just started talking to God. I mean, there was there was none of this usual. Uh, formalities and, and even, even the phrases and, I, I, you know, it, it shocked me. I, what in the world is going on? And, and, and I tell you, not many minutes had gone by. It just seemed like that God was right there in the room with us. I mean, that the Lord was right there and that He was talking to the Lord. It wasn't like, you know, we're here and God's way up there somewhere and He's He's trying to bombard heaven and get through. It's like the Lord's sitting right over there and He's just sitting there talking to the Lord like He would talk to... To, to anyone. Now, we're talking about sincerity. And I, you know, I'm not trying to tell you exactly, you know, how you ought to pray. But I'm telling you that unless our prayers are sincere, they're absolutely worthless. And I understand it can be difficult, maybe impossible for us to determine a person's sincerity. But I think there's some indications. Here, for example, the Lord mentions this matter of repetition. We need to be careful about cliches and empty phrases and so on and so. In other words, just babbling and, and stringing together certain pious sounding phrases that in, in reality mean nothing at all. I mean, they're religious words and in fact, they might even have reference to the Lord. You know in other words when we don't know what else to say we just put Lord in there again and Lord you know and Lord and you know we just keep repeating his name and and so it's sometimes we hang ourselves uh and our insincerity shows through because you know here here we're praying and we're asking for example maybe we're asking God to do what he's what he's already done or or maybe we're asking God to do something He clearly refuses to do. And, you know, our great interest isn't in in conforming to God's plan, whatever it might be. Our great interest is maybe in pressing people. I, I'll never forget talking about being scared to death as a young preacher. And I'll never forget, we had some of the sweetest little ladies in that church and... uh I'll never forget after the service over, and those little ladies would come by and say, "Oh, Brother Stone, that was such a beautiful prayer you prayed." And I, well, I knew it wasn't. But boy, all of a sudden, you know, here, man, I tell you what, my chest is uh, swelling up with pride and what have you. I look, it's not about praying beautiful prayers. It's about just talking to God and being sincere in what you say. Number three, I've got to hurry. Number three, when we talk about the how of being devoted to prayer, there is the secrecy of it and the sincerity of it. But there, there's also the matter of it of praying scripturally. Let me explain. Verse nine. You know this. You could quote this. Now, Jesus was not telling His disciples to pray these precise words. He's giving them a model. He's giving them a pattern. And I want you to notice, here's the pattern. Notice it's brief, but it's comprehensive. In other words, this prayer covers all of the basics, that is, all of the elements uh, that ought to be included in prayer. There's the invocation, there's the petitions, there's the doxology. And, and if we'll study this and if we'll follow this pattern, we'll be praying like we ought to pray. And in another lesson, we're going to look at that in detail. And it's important to notice, you know, all of the details of that pattern. So when we pray, it ought to be, it ought to be scriptural. And right there 's the pattern for it we don 't have to wonder, and it 's so important to you know to notice I think even the order in which things are mentioned there you know it starts out with God where it should it doesn 't start out with a request, it starts out with our praise for the Lord. Now that brings us to the fourth thing tonight that 's implied implied in this, not so much stated but implied in this. And that is that our prayer ought to be specific. The, in fact, the particular word that's translated prayer there in, in, in Colossians 4.2, the word here in our text is a Greek word. It's the most frequent uh, uh, word in the New Testament for prayer. And it stresses fervency. And it always refers to praying to God and praying with a definite aim. You know, by that I mean like shooting a rifle instead of a shotgun. In other words, you got a target in view. And that's all implied here. And it's stated in our text by the word prayer itself. And so we ought to pray specifically by that. I mean, you know, it's one thing... You know, we could say, well, God bless the world. Well, naturally we want, you know, we, we want to see God's blessings all over the world. But, man, we ought to get more specific than that. Or, or sometimes we're going to say, and, 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 and you know, I've said it, and I don't think it's out of place to say, Lord, bless Lakeway Baptist Church. I, that, that's fine. But we ought to get beyond that. I'm telling you what, if I'm, if I'm sick, if I'm gonna be going into surgery tomorrow or, or something like that, I don't want you to pray, Lord bless Lakeway Baptist Church, that's it, amen, hallelujah, I'm out of here. I want you to talk, I want you to pray for me. And we need to get that specific about it. Whenever you're praying and you and and you think about the needs of the church and these with physical needs and Brother Morrison that situation and, and different things. Even somebody says I have an unspoken request. Something that you know that cannot be stated publicly but most of the time those can be some of the most important things that you'll ever pray about. You can't be specific about it in the sense of knowing what it is. You don't know. You don't know the details of it but whatever you do, please don't ignore those unspoken requests. And I know that I've, I've heard people say that uh, they ought not to ever make such a request as that. I, I don't agree. You know, there's some things you can't say in public that you shouldn't say. And I remember preaching in a revival meeting one time, and I was talking about something, and I uh, talking about the, the matter of adultery, and just, you know, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, and I said, well... You know, I'm sure, well, none of you have been guilty of committing that sin this week. This one fellow in the back stood up and said, I have, I did. I said, you, you idiot? I I mean, he's, I I mean, I I believe in confessing our sins, and I, I believe sometimes we have to confess it publicly, but if nobody else knows about it, you need to deal with it. Only in the circle of offense you don't just stand up in the middle of a revival meeting, and say, "Yeah, yeah, I did what am i saying i 'm saying that sometimes we can 't go into detail as to what 's going on in somebody 's life we can 't invade their privacy like that, but i 'm telling you sometimes it is of such urgency, and the need is so great, whatever you do when you pray, be specific." About it. Don't just pray for your family. Name your children. Name your children. Somebody said, hey, "Well, back in you, we've got thirty-five, thirty-five grandkids. Another one on the way. Uh, that may be more than that on the way. I don't know. That was the last I heard. Uh, another one's on the way." Somebody said, you, "Can you name them all?" I said, "Sure, I can name them all. I pray for them all. You know, I name them each day in in praying for them." At least, I think, nearly most of the time uh, I've done that. And, uh, and we ought to be specific about it. Just, anyway, ask yourself tonight, are you truly devoted to prayer or do you just pray occasionally? And, and all of us ought to leave here tonight determined in our heart to be devoted to the matter of prayer. Why? Because everything depends on it. All right. Anyone have a final word before we leave? Maybe something on your heart that you'd like to say, and we don't always do this, but there might be a prayer request that you forgot. There might be a, you know, might be a burden on your heart that you want to mention. There, anything like that, because I...